0: Hello, world. This is Roger Corvell, and this is For the Hope. Here, we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. I recently learned that one of our newer listeners is a fan of factoids. And because we are a full-service shop around these parts, the answer is... Is 79 miles or 127 kilometers, take your pick. But I know you were just sitting there wondering how far is it from Jerusalem to Galilee? Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself scripturally, and that's our first priority. And then we consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including a reference you're going to hear in today's New Testament segment that will become even more interesting a few days from now when we read about the resurrection and what happened immediately thereafter. But today, we are at a point in our trip through Matthew where we begin with what you may have heard called the Passion. If you're like me, you wonder, what, why did they call this the Passion? Well, that's because we've been influenced by older translations of the Greek and then the Latin Septuagint, where the word is suffer. The Greek word is suffer. And so Jesus, the suffering servant, the suffering king, is who we're talking about, and yeah, we're heading into the... Stuff's getting serious, part of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through 35. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he told his disciples, You know that the Passover takes place after two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the courtyard of the high priest who is named Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus in a treacherous way and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, so there won't be rioting among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman approached him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. She poured it on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant. Why this waste? they asked. This might have been sold for a great deal and given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. By pouring this perfume on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then, one of the twelve, a man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they weighed out thirty pieces of silver for him. And from that time on, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. And by the way, 30 pieces of silver, if that doesn't ring true for you, is an Old Testament prophecy that we will touch down on a couple days from now in Zechariah. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man, he said, and tell him, The teacher says, My time is near. I'm celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And when evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. He replied, the one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said it, Jesus told him. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Which, by the way, is another quotation from the Old Testament book we're in right now. Zechariah. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to... Mm -hmm. Galilee. Catch that. Remember that. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. How far is it? 79 miles as the crow flies a little longer if you're driving or walking. Peter told him, Even if everyone falls away because of you, I will never fall away. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I have to die for you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Well, there you go. That gets us up through chapter 35 or verse 35. And by the way, I think it's easy for us to look at Peter and focus on him because, well, Matthew also kind of focus puts the spotlight there. Um, And he does, in fact, later deny Jesus. And, you know, Matthew does highlight Peter in the narrative, but the other guys said it too. And my friends, I was going to close out today with one critical point about this in our closing reflection segment. And honestly, I just decided to that it needs more space to breathe. And there is a seriously important point that undergirds this that I will share with you tomorrow for our Sunday reflection. So turning to our old testament segment in this next section of zechariah uh this is david dockery the holman bible handbook um we're going to hear this oracle which is a central and prominent section of the book that forms this hinge between two larger sections kind of what we just got done reading and like something that we just read yesterday it describes a messianic prototype receiving the signs of his office hence probably why Jesus was quoting Zechariah, even though the passages that he quoted are we're not going to get to today. But also note, another factoid, the introduction, the word of the Lord came to me, occurs only elsewhere in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and that will echo a bit of what we heard yesterday uh, when it introduces an oracle concerning Zerubbabel's promised Completion of the temple, Zechariah chapter nine, chapter six, picking up in verse nine. The word of the Lord came to me: Take an offering from the exiles from Heldai, Tobijah, and Jediah, who have arrived in Babylon from Babylon, and go that same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take silver and gold, make a crown, and place it on the head of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And you are to tell him, this is what the Lord of armies says. Here is a man whose name is Branch. Pause. (laughs) Crowning Joshua in that time. But the language just shifts so he's clearly talking about somebody else. Meaning the Branch, and we know that's the Messiah. This is what the Lord of Armies says. Here is a man whose name is Branch, capital B. He will branch out from his place and build the Lord's temple. Yes, he will build the Lord's temple. He will bear royal splendor and will sit on his throne and rule. There will be a priest on his throne and there will be peaceful council between the two of them. The crown will reside in the Lord's temple as a memorial to Heldai Tobajad Jediah and Hen son of Zephaniah. People who are far off will come and build the Lord's temple, and you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you. This will happen when you fully obey the Lord your God. And before I continue, I'll just say this. Remember that in Levitical law, the separate there was a separation between king and priest. Right? So, what did they just do? This symbolic thing just crowned as king the priest. But it makes clear he's not talking about Jehoshaphat. There you go. Yep, Sunday school answer. Jesus, chapter 7, disobedience and fasting. Um, here we go. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sherezer, Regam-Melech, and their men to plead for the Lord's favor by asking the priests who were at the house of the Lord of Armies, as well as the prophets, Should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we have done these many years? Then the word of the Lord of Armies came to me, ask all the people of the land and the priests. When you have fasted and lamented in the fifth and in the seventh months for these 70 years, did you really fast for me? When you eat and drink, don't you eat and drink simply for yourselves? Aren't these the words that the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and secure along with its surrounding cities and when the southern region and and Judean foothills were inhabited? The word of the Lord came to Zechariah. The Lord of armies says this, Make fair decisions. Show faithful love and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the resident alien or the poor, and do not plot evil in your hearts against one another. But... They refused to pay attention and turned to a stubborn shoulder. They closed their ears so that they could not hear. They made their hearts like a rock so as not to obey the law or the words that the Lord of Armies had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. Therefore, intense anger came from the Lord of Armies. Just as he had called and they would not listen, so when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord of Armies. I scattered them with a windstorm over all the nations that they had not known them, that had not known them, and the land was left desolate behind them with no one going, coming or going. They turned a pleasant land into a desolation. The word of the Lord of Armies came. The Lord of Armies says this, I am extremely jealous for Zion. I am jealous for her with great wrath. The Lord says this, I will return to Zion and live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the Faithful City. The mountain of the Lord of Armies will be called the Holy Mountain. The Lord of Armies says this, Old men and women will again sit along the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in his hand because of age. The streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in them. The Lord of Armies says this, Though it may seem impossible to the remnant of this people in those days, should it also seem impossible to me? This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. The Lord of Armies says this, I will save my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be their faithful and righteous God. The Lord of Armies says this, Let your hands be strong, you who now hear these words that the prophets spoke when the foundations were laid for the rebuilding of the temple, the house of the Lord of Armies. For prior to those days neither people nor animals had wages. There was no safety from the enemy for anyone who came or went, for I turned everyone against his neighbor. But now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. For they will sow peace. The vine will yield its fruit, the land will yield its produce, and the skies will yield their due. I will give the remnant of this people all these things as an inheritance. As you have been a curse among the nations, house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you, and you will be a blessing. Ooh, I'm going to read that again. Notice how that gets echoed in the New Testament. I'm going to save you. And why? So I will save you, and you will be a blessing. Don't be afraid. Let your hands be strong. For the Lord of armies says this As I resolved to treat you badly when your ancestors provoked me to anger, and I did not relent, says the Lord of armies, so I have resolved again in these days to do what is good to Jerusalem and the house of Judah. Don't be afraid. These are the things you must do. Speak truth to one another. Make true and sound decisions within your city gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor, and do not love perjury, for I hate all of this. This is the declaration of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord of Armies came to me. The Lord of Armies says this, The fast of the fourth month, The fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth will become times of joy, gladness, and cheerful festivals for the house of Judah. Therefore, love truth and peace. The Lord of armies says this, Peoples will yet come, the residents of many cities. The residents of one city will go to another, saying, Let's go at once to plead for the Lord's favor and to seek the Lord of armies. I am also going. Many peoples and strong nations will come to seek the Lord of Armies in Jerusalem and to plead for the Lord's favor. The Lord of Armies says this, In those days, ten men from nations of every language will grab the robe of a Jewish man tightly urging, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And my friends, that gets us up through. Chapter 8. Ooh, and if that didn't just ring some bells of joy for your sense of prophecy and God delivering on his promises, I don't know what does. So, there you go. Today, we, uh, we're we going to forego our wisdom, or I mean our reflection segment, because you got to catch the reflection tomorrow. So, I'm going to just wrap up with our wisdom segment and just kind of take it to our time proverbs chapter 18 beginning in verse 19 an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress from the fruit of a person's mouth his stomach is satisfied he is filled with the product of his lips Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor person pleads, but the rich one answers roughly. One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Better a poor person who lives with integrity than someone who has deceitful lips and is a fool. Even zeal is not good without knowledge, and the one who acts hastily sins. A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Wealth attracts many friends, but a poor person is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished. The one who utters lies will not escape. Many seek a ruler's favor, and everyone is a friend of one who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor person hate him. How much more do his friends keep their distance from him? He may pursue them with words, but they are not there. And finally, The one who acquires good sense loves himself. One who safeguards understanding finds success. Mm. I think I'm going to repeat that. The one who acquires good sense loves himself. One who safeguards understanding finds success. My friend, in a world where some part of the church is uh a little over reliant on spirit filled stuff. Not that we shouldn't be spirit filled, but often that is that comes at the expense of truth, right? Truth doesn't come at the expense of the Holy Spirit. And um, attempting to be in the Spirit without corresponding correspondence to truth is problematic as well. The one who acquires good sense loves himself. One who safeguards understanding finds success. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.